today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear your truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. one of us are recipients of that mercy. Every one of us are recipients of, of the grace of God in our lives. You know, the interesting thing is, is even those who don't know Christ, even those who are not followers of Christ, they still are recipients of the mercy and of the grace of God in their lives. Otherwise, they wouldn't be here. As a matter of fact, none of us would be here outside of the mercy of and the grace of God. And aren't you glad that he is not quick to respond in anger, but he's slow to anger. God is rich in mercy, and all of the people of the world are recipients of his grace. In today's message, Pastor David asks us to reflect upon and remember all that God has done for us. The breath in our lungs is just one example of the blessings bestowed upon us. The Lord provides for us, clothes us, feeds us, and sends rain to replenish the dry ground. God's greatest act of mercy occurred when He sent His Son to die in our place. Because of the Lord's great grace, His people receive salvation and eternal life. Now here's Pastor David with part one of today's message, Doxology, from 1 Peter chapter 1. Here in the opening phrases of what Peter writes to us in the letter, 1 Peter, we find that Peter writes a doxology of sorts to the Lord. He writes his glory saying this word of praise. And if you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn there this morning, 1 Peter chapter 1, as we continue our journey through Peter. Peter writes, beginning in verse 3 is where we'll begin this morning. He writes, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that does not fade away. It's reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. We find these sorts of doxologies or praises throughout our Bible, both Old Testament as well as New Testament. We recently finished the book of Jude, and if you were with us, the very last portion, the last verses of Jude are actually a a doxology. Jude writes in verse 24, he says, Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to God our Savior, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen. 
Doxologies can be found in the beginnings of writings, in the middle of writings, and even in the end. The Apostle Paul uses doxologies many times throughout his writings. Uh, again, for one of his that's located at the beginning of one of his writings, it's found in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3, where he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort who comforts us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Sometimes, as I said, these doxologies, just as in Jude, it's found in the end. Well, in other places, it's found in the end. Paul gives a great doxology at the end of the book of Romans. In chapter 16, in verse 25, Paul writes, Now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery kept secret since the world began, but now is made manifest and by the prophetic scriptures has been made known to all nations according to the commandment of the everlasting God for obedience to the faith, to God alone wise, be glory through Jesus Christ forever." Sometimes doxologies are long and very wordy. Sometimes they're very short, precise, and to the point. Uh, Peter, in his second letter, actually gives a very short doxology at the end. He simply says, to him be glory both now and forever. Amen. One thing, though, one thing that makes a good doxology is that it has to have good doctrine in it. Because if there's not good doctrine in the midst of the doxology, then the doxology isn't really a true praise to the Lord. I mean, if we set out a doxology or a praise to the Lord that simply says, Oh, Lord, I thank you that you give everyone everything that they want. That may sound like something, but it's not good doctrine. As a matter of fact, aren't you glad that God doesn't give us everything we want? Some of us that have lived long enough to realize, man, I'm glad that prayer didn't go through. (laughs) A true praise to God, a true worship of all of his virtues, it needs to be correct. One of the best doxologies that, that we find within the word, and it's a rather lengthy one, it's found in Psalm 103. And I'm going to invite you, keep your place in Peter, we'll be right back there. But in Psalm 103, if you'd turn there with me, in the book of Psalms, David writes to us there. It's long. The the whole psalm is 22 verses long. We won't take time to look at all, but just at the beginning of it this morning, listen to the words of David as he writes this psalm of blessing, truly a a, a glory saying, a, a doxology. In verse 1, he says, bless the Lord, O my soul. Didn't we just sing that a little while ago? Again, just a, a, a psalm, a praise, a worship of who God is. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. And I've got to be quick to add that when I was going to uh, college, when Tot and I were going to college up at Grand Canyon up in Phoenix, there in the cafeteria, the student cafeteria, they actually had that verse on the dining room tables. So in case you forgot to pray before you ate, you could say, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. It covers what you've already eaten, too. Has absolutely nothing to do with today's message. That's free, but 
Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Beloved, his benefits are innumerable. We could go through the congregation this morning and each one of you, can you give me a just and declare a blessing of God somewhere, some point in your life? Some blessing that you've seen of who God is or of what he's done. I don't doubt that every one of you, at least given enough time, would be able to, to give one or two or multiples. As a matter of fact, I've, I've been in services that once it started rolling, you almost had to shut it off because, again, one thing reminded others of other things, and we continue to go because there's so much that the Lord has given us, and we need to take time to meditate on those blessings of the Lord. David takes time to list here, even in the psalm, some of the greatest blessings that are given to us. Look at what he writes in verse 3. He says, he is the one who forgives all your iniquities who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. We, us, all of us here in this room that proclaim Christ, we all were dead due to sin, due to the sin nature until we were forgiven by Christ and we came back alive in him. He brings healing in our lives, physical healing, emotional healing, spiritual healing. Our lives outside of Christ, they were destined for destruction. The Bible speaks very clearly of an eternal hell for those that are outside of Christ. And yet he redeems us from that destruction. Through faith in that completed work of Jesus Christ, his loving kindness, his mercy flow upon our lives. It adorns us like a crown. He says he crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. Look at verse 5. He says he satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. It's from the Lord that we receive all good things. All good things come from our Father in heaven, that Father of life. Verse 6, the Lord executes righteousness and justice for all who are oppressed. Do you realize that the Lord stands as your avenger? That you don't need to avenge yourself even when you've been wronged. You don't need to do that. The Lord stands as our avenger. He'll execute judgment on all of those who've come against his children and come against his kingdom's work. Verse 7 says, he's made known his ways to Moses, his acts to the children of Israel. It's interesting. It was God's own plan. It was God's own purpose that he brought Israel out of the bondage of Egypt. And then he used a man, a flesh and blood man named Moses, a man who in his flesh was weak and and failing just like we are. And yet God used this man to speak through this man to that multitude of people as he led them from that bondage and brought them through that wilderness experience, brought them to the very edge of moving on into that promised land. Moses, a man who had weaknesses, And yet at the same time, he was a man who had a vision of God upon his life. He had the power of God working within him. God uses ordinary people 
What a blessing that is that, yeah, God, that means you can use me as, as weak and as failing as I am, that you could yet use me. Verse 8 says, the Lord is merciful and gracious. He's slow to anger and abounding in mercy. Every one of us are recipients of that mercy. Every one of us are recipients of of the grace of God in our lives. You know, the interesting thing is, is even those who don't know Christ, even those who are not followers of Christ, they still are recipients of the mercy and of the grace of God in their lives. Otherwise, they wouldn't be here. As a matter of fact, none of us would be here outside of the mercy and the grace of God. And aren't you glad that he is not quick to respond in anger, but he's slow to anger. That works again, both for his children as well as for his enemies, because he's not willing that any would perish, but that all would come to eternal and everlasting life. I believe that probably every one of us, in one way or another, we could speak today of the mercy that we've received even just recently within our lives, of the grace that we've felt and experienced in our lives, even in the midst of the craziness of life. But let's move on in verse 9 of that psalm. He says, He will not always strive with us, nor will he keep his anger forever. That means that even in his anger, he forgives. And that means even when we stand in absolute rebellion, you know what? His grace and his mercy still surround us, just as we see in verse 10. He says, he has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. If he had dealt with us in accord to our sin, none of you guys would be here. None of you. We would all be gone if he had dealt with us according to our sin. If he had punished us according to our iniquities, we'd all be toast, wouldn't we, at this point in time? Do you need the proof of God's grace and mercy in your life? Are you at a point in time in your life that, man, I just need to, I just need to know and understand God's grace and mercy? You are living proof to me of God's mercy and grace. And I am living proof of God's enduring love and forgiveness. Beloved, if we just keep that in our minds and in our understanding, we would be creatures of worship all day long, every day. How much mercy does he have, though? Doesn't it, like, come to a limit? I mean, really, doesn't God finally get kind of weary of us? Well, look at verse 11. What does he say? For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward those who fear him. Toward those who fear him. That's how much mercy he has. You know, it was in the midst of his returning back to the Lord after his time of repentance that King David, after he had sinned with Bathsheba and had her her husband murdered on the battlefield, that David proclaimed in Psalm 51, 3, For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is always before me. And you know, that that happens in our lives. Sometimes we receive the forgiveness of God in our lives, but the enemy continually comes back at us and says, Oh, but not you. Oh, you know how you are. 
You really think God is going to forgive you and to continue to forgive you? Let me show you how God feels about what he has forgiven in our lives. In verse 12, he says, As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As far as the east is from the west. Do you realize that I believe purposefully he did not say as far as the north is from the south? Because the east and west, they really never meet. Whereas if you travel north, you can travel north until you get to a point where now you have to start traveling south. And then you can travel south until you get to that point where suddenly now you have to start traveling north. But if you travel east, you can keep going and keep going and keep going and never really run into west. You can travel west and keep going, and keep going, and keep going. You'll never run into east. That's the mindset of God. I have separated those sins so far from us. What a loving God we have. What reason we have to be people of praise and people of worship, to live our lives in doxology, saying praise declaration, every opportunity. Even the rest of that psalm is so powerful and so mighty. Down in verse 19, he says, The Lord has established his throne in heaven, and his kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, you angels, who excel in his strength, who do his word, heeding the Excuse me, heeding the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all you his hosts, you ministers of his who do his pleasure. Bless the Lord, all his works in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. That's a whole lot of blessing going on. From the angels to all of creation to all of us who are redeemed, every one blessing and praising him. We need to be that kind of people. Now let's go back to, to Peter, back to First Peter. Many of those same things that David wrote in Psalm 103, we find repeated right here in this declaration of Peter. Listen to it again in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, that does not fade away. It's reserved in heaven for you. You're kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. We have a living hope that's found through the abundant mercy that we've received through Jesus Christ. And do you see the, the emphasis that, that Peter makes on the resurrection of Christ from the dead? Our living hope is because Jesus was resurrected from the dead. Beloved, without the resurrection, we have nothing to worship, nothing to praise God about, nothing to glory God. Do you realize that even though Christ was sinless, 
He was perfect in everything, absolutely obedient to the Father. He perfect, perfect sacrifice, and that he gave his life as a sacrifice for us. He shed his blood on the cross for us. Do you realize that though he was perfect and though he was dead, that that wasn't good enough? You might say, whoa, that's heresy, pastor. No, it's not. That's biblical. Because if he didn't raise from the dead, if there was no resurrection, then you know what? None of it would have been worth anything to us. As a matter of fact, Paul brings out that out to us very clearly in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 17. Paul writes, if Christ is not risen, then your faith is futile. You're still in your sins. That's the necessity of the resurrection. That's the need that we have in life to also thank the Lord for the resurrection of Christ. He goes on, Paul goes on to say, then also those who have fallen asleep, those that have already died in Christ, they've perished. They're just done. He says, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, then we are of all men most pitiable. But beloved, there is a resurrection And we praise God for the resurrection because not only is Christ raised from the dead, but you and I also will be raised from the dead. And that's what Peter is trying to draw our attention to. Again, the greatness of the blessings that are ours through Christ who is resurrected from the dead. Peter lists some areas where you and I ought to be continually thankful. Not only are we begotten again, not only are we born again to that living hope, but we're now, we're given an inheritance. And you know what an inheritance is? An inheritance is proof of the Father's love. It's proof of the Father's love. As a matter of fact, if your dad doesn't love you, he may write you out of the will, you know. But it's proof of the Father's love, and he's given us an inheritance And Peter tells us that not only is there an inheritance, but the specifics about that inheritance is that it's incorruptible. And that word actually there means that it is imperishable. It will not dissolve away. He goes on to, again, drive it home. He says it's undefilable. There's no defect either in the inheritance nor in your title to the inheritance. It does not fade away. Our inheritance in Christ is as eternal as God is eternal. Do you understand that? The greatness of that that's ours in Christ. Beloved, on top of all that, it's reserved in heaven for you. Again, just as Jesus said, this is, this is a treasure that neither moth nor rust nor thief can creep in to destroy or to steal. As a matter of fact, nothing in this world can touch our inheritance. It's safe and it's sealed by God and in the very presence of God. Beloved, that's an eternal promise, totally secure in the heavenlies for us. And then Peter goes on to say that in the midst of all of that, the inheritance, incorruptible, undefiled, doesn't fade away. It's reserved in heaven for you. Then he goes on to say that it is kept by your ability to do the right thing. Is that what it says? 
what it says, it is kept by what? The power of God. Thanks for tuning in today for Pastor David Landry's verse-by-verse study through the book of 1 Peter here on The Open Word. We are glad we're able to bring you these teachings straight from God's Word, but we're even more glad you chose to spend time with us today. We love hearing from our listeners, so please give us a call if you have a moment. Our phone number here is 520-836-9676. That's 520-836-9676. Let us know, too, how we can be praying for you. Are you a part of a local church? Joining and actively getting involved in a local body of believers is a great way to grow in your faith. It's a place where you can learn about the power and love of the Savior and ask questions among other imperfect seeking people. You'll find support in times of need and be able to offer help to others in your own unique way. If you have yet to find a local church in your area, we'd encourage you to start looking today. And if you're in the Casa Grande area, Pastor David has a special invitation for you. Hey, thanks, Chris. You know, I'd like to personally invite you to join us here at Calvary Chapel of Casa Grande for a time of worship, fellowship, and studying the Word of God. We meet every Sunday at 9 o'clock and 11 o'clock in the morning, as well as Wednesday evening and Saturday evening at 6.30. You can find our address and directions by visiting theopenword.com and following the links to our church page. I look forward to meeting you in person and sharing this journey of faith with you. Thanks, Pastor David. Join us next time for another edition of The Open Word.